We'll just pretend all that video stuff didn't happen. All right. All righty. Um, y'all had a Thanksgiving prayer like that before? So don't do that. Do that later. Right before you eat, just go, Lord, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. And dig in. Then afterwards, have the long prayer. All right. <laughs> Was that Charlie Gaddy sitting at that table? He really looked like him. Anyway, some of you are going, who's Charlie Gaddy? All right. Uh, we're in the, a series called Dangerous Church, of course, and this is the last message in the series. And so let's uh, get into it and see what God has to say to us today. Why do we call this sermon uh, series Dangerous Church? And here's why. Because we believe any church that has a strong team, a strong network of godly leaders will be known will have the reputation of a dangerous church to the kingdom of darkness. Now, I've said this over and over, and let me just say it one more time. That is the reputation we want to have in the, uh, in the kingdom of darkness. We want the enemy, when he thinks about us individually, when he thinks about us as a church, we want him to know that we are serious. And there are a lot of things that make a church dangerous to the enemy. Uh, faith-filled prayer, bold witness, um, loving uh, service, willing volunteer service. Uh, we could go on and on. There are many things, but godly leadership is one of them. And we've been talking about um, leadership because it's very, very important. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 that without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. And without wise leadership, a church is in trouble, a family, a community, the world, any organization, any business is in trouble without good, godly, wise leadership. Boy, have we seen that recently as we are having to bail out all these companies. Uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about all that, but we're having to bail out with our tax money all of these uh, companies that are supposed to have the greatest leaders in the world. And so it isn't good to just be a, a leader or a good, even a good leader. It is vital to be a godly leader, a godly leader. And we'll talk about that this morning. You may have never thought of yourself as a leader, but if you influence anyone, that makes you a leader because leadership is basically just influence. Whether you're influencing one person or ten or or maybe you're over a team of people on your work, or maybe you're uh, over a team here at Whitley Church. It is very important that you understand that you are an influencer. People are watching you. People are listening to you. People know that you come to church. They know that you claim to be a Christian. So that puts you under the magnifying glass. That puts you under the microscope and people watch your life and they want to know how you're going to react and what you're going to say and what your thoughts are. So you are an influencer. In this series, we have discussed seven, uh, we are discussing rather seven leadership principles and we're looking at the life of Jesus and how Jesus led. And there are actually books that you can buy that talk about the leadership of Jesus and so I would encourage you to get those and study them. Let's look at what we've already talked about. We talked about in the very first sermon, leadership principle number one. If you want to be a great leader, if you want to be a good influencer, if you want to stand before God at the end and not just stand there and say, God, I made it, but I also influence these 
who made it as well. If you want to stand before God with the people you've influenced, uh, the people that you've even influenced to become believers, then listen carefully to these qualities. First of all, you need a good identification. In other words, you need to know who you are. And we find that out by being with the one who made us, by spending time with the God who created us and made us, by spending time in his word, by spending time on our knees in prayer. We'll talk today about uh, spending time listening to him. And so it's important that we get a good uh, knowledge of who we are. Leadership principle number two is clarification. And that means that we need to know what God has called us to do specifically in this life. Leadership principle number three was motivation. Pastor Jared talked about that one. And uh, motivation says, I must know who I'm trying to please. you got to know who you're pleasing. If you're trying to please the wrong people, you're going to do the wrong things. How many of us have all learned that the hard way? Amen. Leadership principle number four is collaboration. And this simply means uh, that we need to know who our team is, who we're working with, who is above us in authority, who is below us in authority, to love them and know them and understand them, to trust them, and to be able to work cooperatively with them. Leadership principle uh, number five, and I have still got that misspelled in your sermon notes, I think, but next Sunday it will not be misspelled because you won't have those notes, but... Uh, leadership principle number five is concentration, C-O-N-C-E-N-T-R-A-T-I-O-N. And uh, we must know um, what is really most important. we got to know what to focus on. Most of you sitting here this morning, your battle each day is not with good and evil. It is with good and best. And the enemy knows that if he can't get you to sin, then the very next best thing he can get you to do is focus on secondary matters. Focus on things that God has said are secondary and not primary. And we've all gotten bogged down with secondary issues. We've all gotten bogged down with temporary things rather than keeping our eye on eternal things. So what's leadership principle number six? It is meditation. That's what we're talking about today. Leadership principle number six is meditation. If we're going to be a great, listen, listen, spiritual, godly leader. So it's not just about leadership, but it's about being a spiritual leader, a godly leader. And listen, if you are, if, you, if on your secular job that has nothing to do it seems with God, it has nothing to do with spiritual things. On that job, you need to not just be a great leader, but just like here at church, you need to be a godly leader. You need to be a spiritual leader. Listen, the Lord doesn't want to just help you be a good influencer here at church and in your home. God wants you to be a good leader, a good influencer in every phase of your life, in every part of your life. So it's important that we understand that good, godly, spiritual leaders are people who meditate. They listen to God. They listen continually. They listen consistently. They listen constantly to God. And they listen not just from time to time throughout a passing year, 
but they listen to God daily. And we're going to get into some very practical ways that you can hear from God. Now, I have said to you several times during the series, and let me just say it again this morning, uh, and, and I know I'm going to be repeating myself, but sometimes repetition causes us to finally get something. God wants to say something to you. God wants to say something to you. You're his kid. You're his creation. You say, well, I've not accepted this whole Jesus died on the cross for me thing yet. And, and, and I've not accepted all this he rose from the dead. And I'm not, I don't even know if I'm all into this church thing. Because I've seen a lot of people who say they're Christians. And boy, they don't act like Christians. And, and I've been... Um, I've been stabbed in the back by, by so-called Christians, and I've been, I've been treated unfairly by so-called Christians. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, there always have been hypocrites. There are hypocrites, and there will always be hypocrites. You know what my word to you is today? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus will not fail you. I will fail you. I will disappoint you. I promise you I will. If Millie was here, she'd say amen. By the way, Millie had a little surgery on her foot. I have been the best husband. You can't believe how awesome I have been. And plus, I'm humble. I'm a very humble individual. And, um, but Millie's, uh, she, I'm going to have a woman with two good feet. That's just awesome. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you very much. And those of you, some of y'all are sitting there going, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, but uh, Millie uh, had one foot uh, surgery operated on about two years ago, and she just had the other one done this past Tuesday. She's doing great and uh, got her right where I want her, just uh, got total control. Uh, anyway, um, so, so it's important. I don't even know where I was or what I was talking about. But uh, it is important that we... Understand, I want you to hear me this morning. Because some of you don't think you're worthy. Some of you think God might want to talk to some people, but he doesn't have anything to say to you. And I want to say to you that that's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. God created you. Hey, how much do you think he loves you? I'll tell you how much he loves you. He sent the only son he had to bear your sins. Not his sins. He had done no sin. He bore your sins on a cross. That's how much God loves you. You think God doesn't have anything to say to somebody? He loves that much. God wants to talk to you, and we're going to talk about that today. In this message, God is going to challenge us to make it a habit, to make it a lifestyle of constantly listening, having, having what Larry Lee, do you all remember years ago when Larry Lee came out with the Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And, and Larry Lee talked about that hearing ear. God wants you to have a hearing ear. Jesus is our example, always. Mark one thirty five. look what it says in Mark one thirty five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. That's the only part of that verse I don't really like that much. <laughs> Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house. If that, was, if that verse was written about me, here's what it would say. Here's what it would say. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Pharaoh got up, but then he went right back to bed. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somebody's with me out there. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, we know that prayer is talking to God, but that's only half of it. Prayer isn't just talking to God. Prayer is a conversation. And in a conversation, we both talk and listen. Because if you were having a conversation with a friend and you did all the talking, or you have a, you're having a conversation with a friend and they did all the talking, you guys wouldn't get to know each other very well. It would be one-sided. That's not really a conversation at all. That's really a monologue, kind of like what I'm doing here this morning. I'm doing all the talking. But that is not how people get to know each other. You may get to know a little bit about me as I'm talking, but I'm going to get enough to know nothing about you while I'm talking. This is not a conversation we're having this morning. It is a, it is a message. It is a sermon. It is a monologue. And there is a place for that. But God wants to have a conversation with you. And we often hear about people who pray 30 minutes. And we go, how in the world can somebody pray for 30 minutes every day? Now, there are some people sitting in this room who have the gift of intercession. They have the gift of prayer. You do know there is a spiritual gift of prayer. And that spiritual gift of prayer, these people have the ability to pray for long periods of time, and it is no stress to them because they're gifted. But how many of us are to be people of prayer? All of us. I remember one time I signed up for, um, I signed up for a um, prayer vigil thing we had. And that's when Millie and I lived across the street over here in the parsonage. And uh, we didn't, that's when we were in the old building. And we didn't come out to the church to pray for 24 hours. We just signed up for a period of time. And when the alarm clock went off, you just got up and you prayed for your 30 minutes. And then you got back in bed and somebody else you knew somewhere was taking over. And there was 24 hours of prayer. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm the pastor, and I'm young back then, you know, had hair and a little waistline, and I just thought it was the coolest, most spiritual thing. And so I wanted to share everybody how spiritual I was, so I signed up for 3 o'clock in the morning. So when my alarm clock off, I went off, I immediately began to pray. I said, Dear Lord Jesus, what have I done? That was my first prayer. And I rolled off the bed and got on my knees next to the bed, and I had a 30-minute time slot I had to fill. And I prayed for myself and my whole family. And I prayed for the president and his entire cabinet. And I prayed for the House of Representatives and the Senate. And I looked up at the clock, and I'd been praying 10 minutes. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, have you ever thought, I'm doing good here. I'm really doing good here. I'm really spiritual. And you look up, and you go, good grief. You know, you come in here for those prayer times. Look, I know how you guys are. I mean, y'all love Jesus. I know you do. But I know you come in here and you pray and you go, you know, if I get up and leave too early, they're going to think I'm really not very spiritual. So you pray as long as you can, then you just kind of rest, sit there, you know. (laughs) I know your little secrets. But you know what? That's not all bad. What if, Instead of thinking we had to pray for 30 minutes, what if we prayed 10 minutes and listened for 20 minutes? Some people are scared to death of silence. That's why we got so many gizmos and gadgets. I'm not picking on y'all because I may eventually have one of these things, but I love these things people walk around with this Star Trek thing on the side of their head. And I get so embarrassed because I talked about, I think they're talking to me. They go, are you going to study today? And I go, no, not today. 
Don't look at me. The, the worst case of that was I went in the men's room. And the guy beside me was going, so how are you? Great, how are you? You going over there today? Over where? Then about halfway through the conversation, I realized he isn't talking to me. I thought I had a new friend. So we got so many things talking to us, and, and when there's silence, we think something's wrong. Don't we? How, how do you know when a kid's doing something they ought not to do? <laughs> oh, man, I hear stories about the nursery. You know, Millie's over the nursery, so I get to hear all the stories about the nursery. You know, and they get quiet over in the corner. You know what's going on then, don't you? They're, they're creating what I call a barn burner. You got to come hear my sermons because you never know what I'm going to say. Jesus is our example. Was Jesus busy? Oh, man. Extremely busy. From the time he was a child, he was extremely busy his whole life. But if you will study the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you write down the characteristics of Jesus' life, one of the characteristics you're going to discover is that no matter how busy he was, he always found time to be alone with his father. He always found time to slip away. He always found time to consistently find that solitary place to rest and pray and meditate. If you're going to be a leader, obviously you're going to have to be around people because that's who we lead. And you can't be a leader without being around people. But ladies and gentlemen, leaders of Whitley Church, influencers, hear me. If you're going to be a great influencer, if you're going to be a great leader, you've got to take time away from people. Did y'all see the numbers in the worship program this morning? Do you realize that for the very first time in the history of this church, last Sunday, we had over a thousand people in attendance. On a Sunday when there was nothing special happening, it was just our regular services. Now, I believe since we've started the bridge, God honors that and has blessed us here. Have y'all noticed that? God is not just blessing the bridge, but he's blessing us here. And the reason he is, is because it is the plan of God to infiltrate our community. And by doing multi-site churches, that is one of the most effective ways to break beyond this property and infiltrate and have influence in our community for the cause of Jesus. So God's put his hand on us. And if we make mistakes, if we begin to go our own way, then he's going to remove his hand from us. And I don't want to preach on that, but I just want to tell you that God doesn't always put his hand on you. God doesn't put his hand on you because you have big numbers. You have big numbers because he put his hand on you. Amen, amen. It's all about him. It's all about him. But I, I want to say this to y'all, and I've noticed that the bigger our church gets the more I need time by myself. The bigger our church gets, don't be hurt by what I'm about, the more I love and enjoy and am strengthened by the time I have alone with God. So as your responsibilities as a leader grow, you're going to see more and more how much you need this solitude 
this quiet time. The truth is everyone needs solitude and everyone needs time with people. You say, how do we balance all of that out? How many times have I taught you and preached to you that it is your intimacy with God that causes your life to be balanced? It is your intimacy with God that brings balance to your life. You say, I don't know how much of my time to give to this and how much of my time to give to that. Go to him and he will impart to you wisdom for a balanced life. He will impart to you the wisdom you need for a balanced life. Look at Luke uh, 5, 15 through 16. Jesus experienced this very thing I'm talking about. The Bible says now news about Jesus spread even more. And crowds came to hear him. Can I tell you that when crowds come to Whitley Church, it isn't to hear me, it's to hear him. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw men to me. Whitley Church, let's keep lifting up Jesus. Farrell Hardison will be gone one day. The staff that serves you now will be gone one day. But if you will lift up Jesus, this church will always thrive and be healthy long after I'm gone. Now news about Jesus spread even more. And crowds came to hear him and to be healed. Look at this, look at this sentence. But Jesus often, often slipped away to be alone so that he could pray. You know what this verse tells us is that solitude and prayer and meditation were his habit. Solitude and prayer and meditation, were the, that was the lifestyle of Jesus. If Jesus felt the need to do that, you think we might need to do that? Isn't that, a, isn't that an absurd question? If Jesus needed solitude, you think we might need a little solitude? I'm telling you guys, we need quiet times to reflect. We need quiet times to listen Pascal was a very influential mathematician and philosopher in the 1600s. Here's what he said. He said, all of man's problems come from his ability, inability rather, to sit still. <laughs> all of man's problems come from his inability to sit still. How many fewer blunders would I have made if I'd just gotten quiet and gotten still and let God speak to me before I took action? I'm talking about me, guys. Amen, amen. Last week we noted in our introductory video clip, Psalm 46.10. Let's look at this verse because a lot of times we'll have a verse that we become so familiar with, it becomes a cliche. Are y'all listening to me? See, you can become so familiar with a verse that you treat it like a saying, like it's a little saying. It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. So when the Word of God speaks, hear it. Be still and know that I am God. That, that right there is, you know, you know, when you read that up on the screen, you're like, oh, yeah, boy, that's so true. I want, I want, let's focus in on it for a minute. People come to me all the time and go, I don't know what to do about that, and I don't know what to do about this, and I don't know what to do about, you know, my future and my career and my relationships and my finances, and I don't, look, look, what, look what the first four verses of that say. Be still and God can't get a word in edgewise with us. Be still and, and understanding will come. 
Be still and revelation will come. Be still and wisdom will come. Be still and knowledge will come. Be still and you will know what you don't know. Be still, this verse says, and know that I am God. This tells me that I can't even really know God unless I shut up for a minute. I gotta stop talking. And look, those of you who came from the background denominationally that I came from, you know what our prayer life is like. We're a Gatling gun, man. That's the way we pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. You know? And so we just think the more we say, the more spiritual we are. I think sometimes we need to knock it back a couple of gears and slow down and think through what we're saying to God and pause for periods of time during our prayer to see if God might want to say something back. Am I making any sense this morning? I think God wants to say something back. We're always moving. We're always busy. We're always listening to something or someone. So how can we get to know God? You know, noise is usually a stressor. It isn't always a stressor. Like when those state fans were cheering yesterday, I was not stressed at all. But a lot of times, noise is a stressor. And guys, we have noise all the time. Here's what we have in our life in 2008, almost 2009. We have constant, unrelenting input. We have constant, unrelenting input. You say, well, we can't help it then. Yes, we can. You still control that. That TV remote, you control. That stereo, you control. That radio in your car, you control. Let's learn to just have some time to let God speak into our life. Now, you all know that Rick Warren is somebody I have a lot of admiration for, and I know he's been criticized for a lot of things, but Rick has been a blessing in my life. And I was able to hear him at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Actually, I was able to hear him at Liberty University, which is the, the school there next to the church. And um, I wrote down what he said off of a, a tape, a recording that I bought. L listen to this. The thing I love about Rick is he makes stuff practical. He makes it practical. Why don't you listen to this right here? He said, many, many times throughout a week, I will pray a three-word prayer. He said, I often pray it right in the middle of the day. He said, I'll just stop and pause and say this. Lord, what's next? Just in the course of a day. Hey, Lord, um, what's next today? That's all I pray, just those three little words. Then I stop and I listen. I just close my office door, I sit down and turn everything off at home, and, and I just listen for a few minutes. He said, and sometimes when I'm being quiet, right after I've said, Lord, what's next, an idea will pop into my mind, an inspiration, and then I'll go and act on it. He said, Son, and I love this about Rick because he's the real deal, man. Sometimes when I get quiet like that, nothing happens. I mean, wouldn't it have been better right there if he'd have said, every time I get quiet, I hear from God. I mean, that would have been more spiritual, wouldn't it? But Rick's real. Rick said, sometimes when I'm quiet, I don't hear anything. 
brother, if you had faith. No, just sometimes God's like, you're okay. So he said, he said, when I get nothing, I just go on with the schedule that I think is best for that day. Because the Bible says the steps of a godly man or woman is ordered by the Lord. So he said, I just go with whatever I think is best that day. He said, but I, here's the, here's the key, here's the key. Listen, 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 listen. He said, but I try throughout the day to give God the opportunity to rearrange my life if he wants to. I give God the chance throughout the day that if he wants to say, you know what, what you're doing is good, but it isn't really best. Here's the best thing. So here's what I'm saying to Farrell Hardison first, and then I'm saying it to you. Why don't we just start allowing God more opportunities to give us advice? I mean, why don't we just, why don't we just, you know, we just think we know everything. We just think we know what to do. And let me just tell you something. The Bible says it is an end man to know the way he should go. The book of Jeremiah, I believe, says that it isn't in man to know the way he should go. It isn't in you. And boy, we love it when people ask us for advice because, boy, we get, well, let me tell you what you need to do right there. You better be real careful with that one. When you're telling somebody else what to do, be real careful with that. Stop in the course of your day and just say, Lord, what's next? What's next for me today? And if you'll walk in the Lord like that every day, and you don't have to make a big deal about it. God, you know, we've made the Christian life so hard that we think we just got to go somewhere and just pray for a long period of time. And there are times for that, and there's a calling to do that. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying we, this thing of pray without ceasing, where the Bible says pray without ceasing, well, you know good and well you can't go to your favorite little prayer spot and pray 24-7. So that isn't what that means, is it? It's a consciousness. It's a consciousness of God. It's a consciousness of the presence of God in your life. It is a consciousness that he is always with you and that you are his child. And he wants influence in your life at every level. Because what we've done is we've said, God wants to talk to me about this part of my life. But this little rinky-dink stuff over here. God doesn't care about that. God cares about every part of your life. Now, see, we, we're humans, so we are prone to extremes, aren't we? So I'm not talking about, God, what's next? Oh, step forward, okay. Now, God, what's next now? Stop it. We do that, don't we? We just go overboard with everything. I'm just saying during the course of the day, a couple times, just go, now, God, you order my day now. You, 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 you can change stuff. and yeah, My life's in your hands. So, God, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and do this unless I hear from you. But, God, I'm listening. I'm going to just take a little quiet time right now and just listen. And that can be two minutes. You know, God doesn't need a whole lot of time to say a whole lot of stuff. Is this helping anybody? God's never spoken to me audibly or out loud. I, I've never heard that. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I'm just saying I've never heard his voice. I'm afraid if I heard his voice or he came in my bedroom in the middle of the night, I'd be like that Quaker guy who was laying in the bed. and He kind of woke up and looked, and there was this man standing at the foot of his bed. You know, Quakers are really, 
very peace-loving people. So he said to the man, he said, uh, Dear friend, I mean thee no harm, but thou art standing where I'm fixing to shoot. <laughs> Amen. So I don't know what I'd do, you know, but God's never spoken. Here's how God talks to me. God talks to me in my thoughts. He talks to me in my mind. He talks to me through his word and in my thoughts. That's how I hear from the Lord. I love this quote, and I should have put it in your notes. When the devil speaks to you, he puts an idea in your mind, and we call that temptation. When God speaks to you, he puts an idea in your mind, and we call that inspiration. Satan comes to bring temptation. God speaks to bring inspiration. Hear the Lord. Hear the Lord. You know what I've never heard anybody complain about? I just The devil just never says anything to me. Now, I hear that about God a lot. I never just, I never hear anything from God. But boy, I'm hearing all the The devil told me, and the devil tried to get me, and the devil, man, do you think the devil's got more to say than God does? We just need to get that other antenna up and hear the word of the Lord. Hear the Lord. So inspiration's when God speaks into your mind. When he drops that idea or that thought or that leadership into your mind, that guidance, you'll have thoughts like, man, I would have never got that. If I hadn't just been quiet for a couple minutes, I would have never got that from God. I'm so glad I listened to him. That's exactly what I need to do at this point in time in my life. And it's the opposite of stress. When you hear from God, it's the opposite of stress. When you hear from God, it brings assurance and confidence. Colossians 2 and 7 says, plant your roots in Christ. Plant your roots in Christ. Let him be the foundation of your life. Be strong in your faith just as you were taught. Are your roots down in Jesus? I don't mean have you received him as your personal savior. I mean, have you got, are you getting your roots down in Jesus? Getting down deep so that when the winds and storms of life blow, you don't just get blown right over. You've got to have your roots down deep. It is the foundation of good leadership. It is the foundation of a healthy walk with God. The point is you can't lead like Jesus until you know him personally and until you get your roots down in him. The greatest source of stress is disconnection from God. The greatest source of stress is disconnection from God. And let me tell you when I know I'm disconnected from God. When I start trying to do stuff on my own based on past experience, we're the world's worst for this. We did something one time and it works, so we think it works every time and we think we don't need to pray about it anymore. How many of you have learned that's not true? And I do that, and I, every time I do it, I get myself in a mess. I come, God, I got myself in a mess, and it was because I thought I knew more than you or as much as you, and I'm so sorry, God, I need you in my life. I need your guidance in my life. Stress is the warning light. Stress is the alarm that goes off in our lives when we uh, realize or when we become disconnected from God. Stress tells me that I get, need to get reconnected back to God. And when we get stressed, we can be easily angered. And when we get stressed, we become cantankerous and irritable. Disconnection from God creates other negative emotions like fear that we would have never had and worry that would have never come into our life. Some of y'all are worry warts. I don't even know what that is, but it isn't good. Some of you all, have, you battle with shame. And the reason you battle with shame about your past is because you're not healthy, connected to God presently. 
So, so the enemy's able to bring up stuff that's under the blood of Jesus because of his forgiveness. He's able to bring it back up and shame you with it and guilt you with it. And loneliness and bitterness comes. All kind of hurtful things come into our lives when we become disconnected from God. So where do we start? Let me, let me just say this and then I'm going to close this message. Where do we start? We start by accepting Christ into our life as our personal Savior. Now, I want to nail this hard today because it is easy to come to a church like Whitley and say, I love that music, and that's really cool little video clip, and, you know, the things Pastor Hardison says, that is really some wise stuff, and it's helped me be a better person. Hey, we're not about you being a better person. We're about you being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And receiving him into your life as your personal savior. So I ask you face to face, point blank. Have you asked Jesus to come into your life and not just be your savior, but become master of your life. Lord of your life. Do you understand that you cannot go to heaven without the Lord Jesus? You cannot go to heaven when you die on your goodness on your good works and your good deeds. You need a Savior. And His name is Jesus. That's what we want for you. We're not here to give you little, little tidbits and little, hint, little um, uh, uh, advice so your life will be good. We want you to receive Christ. Without Christ, you will leave this world lost. We challenge you to quit playing around Quit making excuses and say, I need Jesus in my life today. Becoming a Christian is simply giving as much of yourself as you understand to as much of Christ as you understand at this time in your life. And I say that because you might be thinking, you know, I don't know very much about him and I don't know very much about the Bible and and I don't know very much about all this church stuff. Here's the good news about that. You don't need to know very much. All you need to know is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you will reach out to him because he made you, he created you, and receive him as your Savior, your life will change and you can become this leader who can make the difference. Let's move to principle number seven, and it's very brief. Relaxation. Aren't y'all glad I ended with relaxation? Some of y'all look pretty relaxed right now. Relaxation. Everybody awake, say Amen. Principle number seven, relaxation. If I'm going to be a great leader, I got to, I got to recharge. I got, to, I got to pull back from ministry. I got to pull back from leading, and I've got to recharge. I've got to get some rest. The Bible teaches this, that we are to relax and recharge. Here's why. Leadership is draining. Leadership is draining. Leadership is hard work. Jesus is our example here because we find him frequently retreating for rest and relaxation. You know, we talked about Mary and Martha and Lazarus last Sunday and how Jesus would go to their house and kick his sandals off and put his feet up on the coffee table and Martha would be cooking. And man, I don't know a better feeling than that, you know. Jesus knew there were times to pull away. Mark 6, 31 says, crowds were coming. And going so that they, the disciples, did not even have time to eat. 
God forbid. He, Jesus, said to them, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this to his what? His disciples. We are his. So he's saying it to us. Listen. Come away by yourselves. There's that word, solitude. Come away by yourselves and we'll go to a lonely place and get some rest. These disciples had been putting in a lot of overtime. They were exhausted. Jesus says, hey, you deserve a break today. Take me away, Calgon. Jesus knew they needed some time for a little vacation. I love what the King James says. It says that Jesus said this, come ye apart for to rest. And that means if you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Jesus said, come apart, get away from the crowds, and let's go rest. If you don't come apart, you're going to come apart at the seams. Rest and recreation are not a waste of time. A lot of people, the the enemies taught you that, that any kind of rest or relaxation is a waste of time. Rest and relaxation are so important, God put them in the big ten, the Ten Commandments. Y'all do know that it's in the Ten Commandments to take a break. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth one. That you should, every seventh day, be off. Take a day off. I'm so glad that's in the Bible. God wired the human being on a six-day cycle. He says, I want you to work six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to take some time off for some rest. Hey, y'all, you think God was serious about taking some time off? Number four is right in there with don't kill anybody. Number four is right in there with don't commit adultery. You think God was serious about don't commit adultery? You think God was serious about don't steal, don't lie, don't kill anybody? And right there in those commandments, he went, and take a day off, I command thee. I'll tell you how we are. We wouldn't think ever murdering anybody or committing adultery. But we'll violate that fourth commandment over and over and over and over again. And we think that's an honorable thing to break the fourth commandment because we we're hard workers. i tell you what you are. You're frying yourself emotionally. You're burning yourself up emotionally. Every seventh day, you're going to take a day off. Now, my seventh day is on Monday, but I violate that. And look, I'm not making a joke about that because to violate one of the commandments, you might as well violate all of them. You're going to violate one of them. And I take my day off, and you know what I end up doing on my day off? I end up catching up on all the things I didn't get through to the week before. Or I end up trying to get ahead so I won't get so far behind. Now, that isn't God's fault, and that isn't the church's fault. That's my fault for not letting God order my day. Let me close with this. Have I already closed several times? Let me close with this. Look at what it says in Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. It says, Jesus came. I love this verse. Jesus came enjoying life. Now, you can't enjoy life if you're working seven days a week. Matter of fact, if you're working seven days a week, I really don't want to be around you because you're going to be one cantankerous individual. Jesus came enjoying life. Actually, in the Greek, it says that the Pharisees became so angry about the overflowing joy of Jesus that he said he's a glutton. He's got to be a glutton. He's got to be a wine bibber. 
and that means a drunk. And so they accused Jesus of being a glutton and a drunk because Jesus would go to a party. Now, I know y'all don't like to see Jesus that way, but you know how I see Jesus? I see Jesus standing there with his friends and throws his head back and laughs at something somebody said. He, Jesus, knew what it meant to pull aside. Jesus knew what it meant to get some rest. Jesus knew what it said, what it meant to obey this fourth commandment. And the Pharisees became angry and said, look at him over there laughing. Look at him over there having a good time. Y'all ever seen those Christians who just are sour, sour? They look like they were baptized in vinegar and hadn't gotten over it. And they don't want you to laugh, and they don't want any humor at church, and they don't want anything like that. They have that, I am holy and proud of it. You know, look. Well, Jesus wasn't like that. The Bible says Jesus came enjoying life. I love it that the worst thing that the Pharisees could come up with against my Jesus was that he enjoyed life. See, if you're not enjoying life, your witness as a Christian is over. Because you can talk about, you can talk to people about getting saved and coming to Jesus all you want to. Here's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at your life. They're not going to listen so much to your words as they're going to look at your life. And if you're not a person of joy, they're going to go, you know what, I hear what you're saying. And it sounds like there might be some validity to that. But I got to tell you, you are such a poor advertisement for it. I think I'll wait. Amen, amen. Your joy, your joy, your joy. And you're not going to have joy if you don't learn to take a break. As a leader, you're going to carry the load of leadership. I'm not saying you won't, but that doesn't mean you walk around all the time with this sour frown on your face. God wants you to enjoy life and enjoy your leadership. Let me give you three keys to lasting leadership right down at the bottom of your notes there. Number one, you've got to divert daily. You need to have something every day you do that's fun. You say, well, I don't know what to do every day that's fun. Throw a Reese cup in your purse. Look forward to that. Do something. <laughs> I mean, that's just an idea. You got to have something every day that you kind of divert, get away from the task, the life. Maybe you work out. Maybe you're an artist. You like to sketch or paint or you like to sing or maybe you like to shoot hoops or work out at the gym or work in your yard or your garden or wrestle with your kids. Different things relax people in different ways. But you listen, listen to me. This is very important. You need to have something every day that you go, you know, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that little break I'm going to have today with whatever. Have something to look forward to. Number two, you ought to withdraw weekly. And we go back into that taking a day off. So I won't talk about that. But you got to do that weekly. You need one day. And I didn't say that. God did. Fourth commandment, take a day off. And quit bragging that you don't. Because every time you brag that you don't take a day off, you're admitting that you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And then abandon annually. I love that one. I love my vacation. I'm going to tell you, by the third day of my vacation, I can't even remember y'all. People say, where are you from? I say, you know, I, I think I can tell you Friday. I don't know right now. You've got to let it all go once a year. You've got to let it all go. Come up with some creative loafing. <laughs> creative ways to loaf. I like what one writer said. He said, it is better to have loafed and lost than to never have loafed at all. <laughs> so if you're going to be a good leader... These seven principles need to be in your life. Would you just bow your head? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? 
Do you know him as your personal Savior? Ask him into your life today. Just say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand a lot of things, but I just, I just want you in my life because stuff just isn't working out with me in control. So Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart and come into my life today and make this the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. Make this the best Christmas I've ever had. I don't even understand all I'm doing, Jesus, but I know this as much as is in me. I give you my heart today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and ask you to come live in me. Ask him to do that for you today. Okay? Father, thank you for this day. We give you glory, praise, and honor forever and ever in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Hey, don't forget to pick up your gift at the back if you're one of our guests today. Go by our Guest Welcome Center right behind you.